0: Sentira media.
1: You are listening to the Lotta Volamarque Radio Network. Good morning and welcome. Thank you so much for downloading and joining us on our podcast.
2: Ciao, I'm Ashley.
1: My name's Jason, and together we run Tavola Marche, Agriturismo and Cooking School, here in beautiful central Italy.
2: Is that mean it's in Tuscany?
1: No, it does not mean it's in Tuscany. We are in Le Marche. Is um, that a town
2: in Tuscany?
1: No, it is not a town in Tuscany. It is, in fact, Le Marche, a whole other region of the three regions that make up central Italy, Tuscany, Umbria, and Le Marche. Oh. It's right in the name.
2: Oh. (laughs) Alright, keep going.
1: (laughs) Today is the 19th of April, a beautiful, uh, eh, not beautiful Thursday morning. It's uh, 8 o'clock in the morning on a Thursday, the 19th, and it is gusty, and it was sunny before, and now it's not, but... April has brought with it a little bit of water, a little bit of rain, which we desperately needed.
2: And it brought with it the air of allergies.
1: (laughs) Yes, as you you can hear. My allergies are in full effect this morning.
2: So, let's recap what we've been up to. Let's take it back to Easter. Let's
1: take it back to... Take it all the way back.
2: Take it all the way back.
1: Uh, Easter was great. We had a, a good number of people for Easter lunch. Not too many, not too few. Uh, everything went off A mix swimmingly.
2: of friends and a mix of Italian guests.
1: Um, everything went great. We made um, uh, let's see what was on my Easter menu: some antipasta. I made two primos. I made a um, farro and uh, asparagus soup. And that farro soup is on our blog that Mm -hmm. Ashley put up, and then I made lasagna bianco with porcini. That's on the blog too. And then leg of lamb and salad and the leg of lamb was a huge hit. Of course. Like flame is delicious always. And
2: we posted this on the blog before and on Facebook, but it was absolutely incredible to watch Zio Albi, uh, one of the Italians from Pesaro, in the middle of lunch. He just kept saying, oh, it is it, the scenery, the people, the food. It is so beautiful. It makes me want to sing. And he was just such a character. And all of a sudden, I was like, so sing. Well that opened the floodgates, and he started singing opera the, on and off the whole rest of the afternoon, and his nephews, our friends, Luigi and Andrea, were cracking up heads and hands just, because you think, this probably happens to them all the time when they go out. Like, probably. oh, here he goes again. And he was like, oh, do you have any gelato? And my throat is still sore from singing. I said, oh, I'm sorry, I don't have any gelato, but I do have grappa. And he was like, I'll take it. And the grappa coated his throat just enough to keep on keeping on. It was great. It was so memorable. It's not the first time we've had concerts break out in the dining room.
1: Nope, but the first time we've got it in a, on
2: film. Di- from,
1: well, it's not even on film. Oh, yeah. Digital.
2: Digi- on digi. digi- <laughs> <laughs> but it was great. It just reminds me, kid these things only seem to happen here in Italy, and I never cease to be amazed at how a simple lunch can turn into such a wonderful memory. I love it.
1: It was great. So that was nice. We had uh, our first guests of the season. Um, well, not our even... Our, well, we that was our, talked about that. We did. Um, we, had, so we have a little break right now, um, which is good because spring is here and there's so much to do. The grass is growing like weeds. Uh, the pool is scrubbed out, fixed, filled back up, and recovered. The, um, that was
2: also a classic side story, too.
1: Classic side story about Italy. So, <laughs> the I needed we needed to get some work done on the pool. One of the valves uh, broke from the freezing temperatures this last winter. Blah blah blah. I call the um, pool technicians to come out. They come out, take a look at it, say, "Okay, you need this, this, and this." We'll be back on Monday. And it was like, "Whoa, whoa!"
2: And they said, "Drain the pool."
1: Drain the pool. I go, "Okay." Monday, the pool will be drained, and we'll see you on Monday. So they did. They came by on Monday, which was incredible, because they were there on the Thursday before. We were taking bets.
2: It was like, okay, how much do you want to bet <laughs> they'll be here on Monday?
1: <laughs> they did show up. They worked an hour and a half, and they took off, said they forgot a part, and they took off, and they'll be back later that afternoon. We didn't. When did they return? Um, The following Tuesday.
2: No call, no show, just we'll be back with the part. And now, then, and then. Just randomly in the middle of a rainstorm. So the one day
1: it's like, well, I, I we were bi- we got busy with well, no, Easter. Yeah, Easter. Then it you was know. Easter and cooking classes and blah blah blah. So I didn't really call them. I didn't really well, push also them.
2: because you know if a holiday's coming up, Easter's on a Sunday. Easter Monday's taken off as well. So that means that the last half of the week through the weekend into Tuesday is a wash.
1: Anyway, uh, the the next wen- the Wednesday after Easter right. In the middle of the monsoon, here shows up the pool technicians and... He didn't knock on the door. Didn't knock on the door, just walked, you know, past the kitchen, on the way back to the pool. All at that moment, the sun comes out, the rain stops, they finish their work in about two or three hours and leave. Everything's fine. But just goes to show you the one day (laughs) where it would be like, all right, well, no one's coming to work on anything outside here today. They show up and they fix it. But in typical... Italian fashion, it just was dragged out much, much longer than it needed to be. And
2: And just without a call or any idea of when they'd be coming back. It was like you get left hanging sometimes. And you think, just call me. Just tell me when. Just call you're
1: me. Back. Pick up the phone and say, hey, Easter's coming. I have this to do. It's not a big deal. No one's going to be using the pool, obviously. It's, yeah. it's April. Um, just give me a call. Let me know. A little heads up. And I'll be like, yeah, fine. I'll see you next week. I'll see you after Easter. Buona well, Pasqua.
2: And then speaking of water. There always Something always happens with water at the beginning of the season for us, to open the house or whatnot, and sure enough, we give some <laughs> new guests a complimentary upgrade. Here's a much better apartment for you. It's nice and sunny, and you have a child. This is a much bigger apartment. We go to turn on the heat right before they arrive, well, and...
1: go on, open the radiators. Yeah, open now. the
2: radiators, and water starts shooting out.
1: Shooting out of the radiators, two of them. Oh,
2: and not, like, clean makes water. It was the rustiest... The water.
1: rustiest, most disgusting water you've ever seen from the from the radiators that are 15 years old. And
2: the guests are about to arrive in an hour. And it's like, oh,
1: my God. So, you know, we, we closed the thing. We shut the radiators down and turned on the space heaters. And thankfully, they were really cool. And we're like, yeah, as long as it's warm, they don't care where the heat comes from. But I called the technician, the plumber out the next day. He shows up. I knew I was in, shru- in trouble when he showed up in a V-neck sweater, slacks, uh, a dress shirt, and nice shoes. Without any tools. No tools. And it, it was like, all right, I guess nothing's getting done today. <laughs> he took one look at it, opened the valve, heard the water pouring out, and says, okay, you need new radiators. All right. My next question was, great. When? Oh, this week, this week, no problem. That was that was like last Tuesday or last Wednesday. Oh, yeah, Tuesday, Tuesday.
2: Said no problem.
1: Uh, I'll bring them by this week. It will take me fifteen, twenty minutes each to change them out. That's great. Today is Thursday, April nineteenth. We are over one week from when I talked to him before. No call. No. No, nothing. So,
2: what is the classic line, though, when you say, Ah, oh, this plumber drives me crazy. We won't use his name.
1: We won't use the... He yeah, uh, drives
2: me crazy. I need to find a new plumber. What is um, everyone's
1: response? Well, that's who's always worked on the house.
2: Yeah, we know he's crazy. We
1: know he's crazy. We know he's <laughs> a terrible per- terrible at his job, but... But he, he knows the house. He knows the house. So, it's like, no. So, today I'm going to find... My first time, I'm going to get kind of upset on the phone and just tell him whether you've ordered your radio the radiators or not i do not care you can take them and shove them
2: oh well you know what i don't, I don't know
1: <laughs> i'm gonna have to try to do it tactfully because this well, person also, does live in our town
2: that's part of the balance of living in a small town with 2,000 people that you the can't. plumber might not be great but that's part of why you stick with him because he's one of one. <laughs> the no, there's
1: other... I know other pl- plumbers, but... In Peopicle? No. Uh, next town over. But uh-huh. it's... You're right. Now you're making waves. and uh, I don't know. It's a very delicate balance. We're strangers. Because we're, we're it's foreigners. not that it's
2: just him... It's his daughter works at the Conad, that we re- and she's great. Uh, his niece, you know, the, his grandfather is the one who saved my life in the car.
1: Yep. I mean, it's and a web it's, of people. It's more like there's a, one or two degrees of separation with everyone. So if you tell the plumber to go screw himself, y- y- that has rippling effects throughout the community. Yeah. <laughs>
2: So you got to be careful who you flip the bird, too. Yes.
1: Thankfully, no one is here, and we don't need the heat in that room, mm-hmm. and it's coming to the time when I'm going to shut the whole heating system down. But still. But, but still. still. It could have been freezing out, and we could have had people that were very, very cold. So.
2: Moving right along.
1: Yes. Moving right along to the springtime weather. Spring is happening, and we've had... We wanted to talk about some fails, because... <laughs> yes. Even after living in Italy almost five years now, we still have times when things don't work out, and we wanted to talk about two of them. One is the something that in the garden, and the other is uh, we went on a little trip, which we'll talk about uh-huh. here pretty soon. But, um, so, as,
2: as much as we celebrate our successes of having beautiful produce, or what a green thumb Jason has discovered... Uh we thought it was very important to talk about like he said these epic fails. So recently Jason went to um start his seeds.
1: Um yeah, we started seeds for everything from um p- um pumpkins and and watermelons down to lettuces and ra- uh no radishes go in the ground. Lettuces, uh melons, um pfft, I started, to, you know, the list goes on. There's oh, tons
2: of herbs, and tons things. of er- herbs. And there's- we we were feeling really good about it because we got to jump on the season, and we thought, all right, we had some really nice warm, warm weather, and it felt like, all right, we're ahead of the game.
1: So I put down. Um, I started my uh, lettuces in these little, almost like the little plastic things that you would get, like um, herbs in, or. or or like your container of berries. Or a container of berries. that It's a thin plastic. It has holes on the bottom. I fill these with a mixture of potting soil and sand, um, almost one to one, or like maybe one and a half potting soil to one sand uh, with a little bit of uh, compost. And this is what I use to start my seeds. So I started, I don't know, four or five different types of lettuce. And you start, you just kind of sprinkle them in there. Sprinkle a little uh, the the earth over the top and just keep them moist in a inside the house until they sprout in, the Once, win-
2: in a warm windowsill.
1: Warm window sill. Once they sprout, you let them get to be established, and then you have to transfer them into the little six pack plasticky things that you would go to the nursery and buy your tomato plants in. That's what you then transfer them in, so they could grow to a small a bigger size before they go into the garden itself. So I must have made two or two th- hundred. Sure. 200 of these little uh, – I, I started the seeds and then put them into these six packs and I did about, I don't know, four different types of lettuce, about 200 plants in all. And it's really painstaking because you have to be very careful and lift this tiny, tiny little little um, seedling out of the, the plastic bit and the roots sometimes are tangled up with other roots of the of another little seedling that started right next to it. And, um...
2: Carolyn actually suggested, too, sometimes to use, like, a spoon. Just to delicately separate. I mean, it is a very delicate job.
1: Yeah, uh, it is. And um Painstaking.
3: Painstaking.
1: So, it's not it's not difficult. It's just laborious. Mm-hmm. So, um, I get them all done. I water them real good. And, um, the next day or something, it was sunny out. So, I decided to stick them in the... Stick them in the sun to get some sun. Well, I cooked them all. Literally... Just burned them all. Um, so you're looking at... And within three days, they were all dead. So uh, I asked Carolyn what I did, and she thinks I burned them. Because they they should have taken. They should have taken with the... Uh, it's the same soil, and I'm not ripping... I'm not taking the root totally, completely out of the soil. There's still some earth connected to the root when I'm transferring it. I
2: thought it was your sausage fingers strangled the roots.
1: No, no, no. I burned them. So... <laughs> Lesson learned, man. Half a day and lesson learned. So
2: what did she say? You just you start have to, over.
1: You have to start over. So I've started over again, and they uh, sprouted. And um, next time you next her- time you cover them with this. They call it telo umbrajante I think umbra ombregante. It's this 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 mesh um, mesh like stuff that you put over them, so some sun gets through, but it's not. Enough sun to kill the delicate plants. It's and
2: like a dark green kind of
1: mesh. Meshy stuff. And about, you know, a third or a half of the light gets passed through. It's enough to keep, give them uh, heat and a little jump start on photosynthesis, but not enough to, to cook them. So there you go. Lesson learned. Never again will the baby seedlings go into the light. Mm-hmm. Into the full day sun. hmm Um... So that was one thing we learned in the garden. The second thing is when we took a trip to Modena to buy um, b- traditional balsamic, and we'll talk about that here in a little bit. But, um, Ashley, you tell this one, because you did all the research. Well,
2: I did a <laughs> <of> research. <laughs> oh, all right. We're going up for a night. Let's get a um, – let me write down some great restaurants, and we'll go on a fun drive up instead of just go- hitting the coast and taking the autostrada from Fano to Bologna to Modena, let's go the back route. And instead of the three-hour direct drive or two-and-a-half-hour kind of direct drive, let's give ourselves the whole day to get there. And so I found this great road, and it was like, all right, let me find some – and it was even called, like, the Meat Corridor or something, S12 I had read. So it was like, let us get to that area, but in time for lunch, and we'll eat well – well, sure enough, we make it to the road, and it's up in, like, the Apennines,
1: Northern. Right under, like, Pelodian one.
2: Right? Uh-huh. And everything was closed. It's a ski town. So we hit their shoulder season, and it was, like, not even...
1: There were crickets, like... <laughs> crickets. We passed through some towns where it was like, there are no cars here. There's what
2: no is going one. on? No one. And so we finally found, we were starting to get starving. And in Italy, the big important thing with lunch is you have a window to eat it in. Like in our area, between 1230 and 130 should. No, you 1230,
1: sh- and if you show up before 2. That's
2: what I was going to say. If you show up before 2, you are lucky if you get a seat. Now we thought, well, maybe we'll have a little luck up north. Maybe the lunch hour goes a bit longer. But we found something on the side of the road, pulled over, and we had a fine lunch. But no,
1: it, it was wasn't. subpar, it-
2: really, because they didn't have real tomatoes in their sauce.
1: Everything was like it um, wasn't great. It was anyway. disappointing.
2: So we thought, well, all right, we still have two more meals to eat around Modena. <laughs> <laughs> Let's hope those are better. Well, for dinner. We ended up having... Because the places I found were really lunch places for the most part. And it was a Monday. And it was a Monday. Why are Mondays difficult?
1: Mondays are difficult because nothing is open on Sundays. And then Mondays, everyone... Uh, the You know, you, you go and buy your, your stuff because things are getting delivered. Nothing in the shops are new for Monday. It all starts Tuesday. Monday is a t- traditional day of restaurants to be closed all the time. Because you're open Sunday. So... So keep that in mind if you're coming or going anywhere... Going to be in Italy on a Monday, keep in mind most things, uh, restaurants will be closed.
2: So, sure enough, he was spot on, and our dinner choice was Chinese. Now, I know for many of you, this would be blasphemy to go to Modena and eat Chinese food. (laughs) In what is one of the epicenters of uh, gastronomic tradition of Italy. However, since there's no Chinese in our area, it was slightly... Awesome.
1: (laughs) It was actually not bad Chinese food.
2: It was really pretty freaking good. So...
1: Then the next day... The
2: next day, again, fail. We... I had two lunch places to check out. And one was in town in Modena called Juicy. And it was some famous kind of osteria, Salumeria, that you would go and have just really rustic lunch. Well, they were booked out for a whole group, so not able to go there. Oh, no worries, Jason. On the outside of Bologna, on this tiny road, there's a place called Amerigo. And uh, I-, I read great things about that. Let's check this out. And he's like, all right, let's go for a drive and find it. We make it all the way there. It
1: was. Su- it was like... I'm sure as the crow flies, it wasn't that far outside of Bologna, but down these roads, down, you know, kind of like our area, the roads are real windy and real small and it's real pretty and it's tilly and... And
2: using the GPS blindly.
1: Yes, do not, please, for <laughs> heaven's sake, if you come to Italy, use a GPS in conjunction with the Michelin guide, the Michelin map. Because the GPS (laughs) will not take you on the best road; it's going to take you on the fastest road or the most direct road. Fdpros. So (laughs) we weren't nervous. We don't get freaked out. We live here, so when the road goes from paved to that um, crushed gravel, Gravel. it's like, all right, well, this is the central Italy, and that's what happens. When we first
2: moved, we got panicky. We thought, oh my god. Yeah. Where do these roads lead?
1: So, don't trust the GPS. Sorry, go ahead.
2: So, we follow the GPS up and down the windy roads, and it was gorgeous. I mean, it was one hell of a drive to pull in to this cute, tiny little town, find the restaurant. It looks just quintessentially perfect, straight out of a film. I was like, this is going to be amazing. And it was closed. <laughs> it was like, oh my god. So, we had had Chinese food the night before. I didn't want to eat too much breakfast, even though it was a good breakfast at the hotel, but I was prepping for a big lunch. So this was a big blow, honestly. It it was a crushing blow to my spirit of the trip for food. And we stop at a freaking grocery store on the way out of town of Bologna and get a bag of chips and a bottle of Coke. I pound that in the car. It was pathetic. That was pathetic. That's when
1: lunch goes wrong.
2: And it can happen.
1: It can happen out here. It definitely can. You and end up
2: in some tiny town hoping to have lunch at some famed little place, some hole in the wall, and you end up showing up <laughs> on a day that they're closed, or you've missed the lunch meal all completely, and now nothing else is open, and you're in the middle of nowhere. It happens.
1: Yep. It makes for a story. But why we were in Modena. Let's talk about that. Yes!
2: We have a wonderful interview to share with you.
1: Uh, we were in Modena to buy traditional balsamic vinegar of Modena. And this is a... We'll talk about it, but it's, a, a, it's something you have never tried before, most likely, because it really doesn't leave Italy. I mean, it's very, very small production. It's... Um, Unlike anything you've you've tried, it, they take – what they do is they uh, have a series of barrels and they smash up these two types of grapes and they uh, start out in a, the big barrel. And progressively as the vinegar uh, evaporates and turns – as the, the grape mass evaporates and turns into vinegar, it um, reduces and you're left with a very, very Concentrate. s- concentrated um, – uh, this concentrated, totally complex, sweet – um, but, but with, uh, these notes of wood, uh-huh. um, it's like, like, um, like she said, it's almost terrible to call it vinegar because mm-hmm. it's not.
2: It, it turns into a, a syrup more than a liquid Uh, dressing that you would be used to
1: Um, so if any of you and it must be at least 12 years old before it can even be sold and most of it is sold between 25 and 30 years old so really you're taking home a piece of this family's history because Mm -hmm. it's kept in their attic in what's called an achataya Um, and uh, it's interesting that wine is kept in the cellar but the balsamico is kept in the attic or closer to God they say
2: you stole my story. Okay, go ahead. And tell your <laughs> no, story. you just told it. But it's true. I love that that the vinegar's closer to God.
1: Um, so we stopped by there and, um, and asked Giovanna if it was possible to do a little interview. So uh, this is going to be it. Oh, please note, it might be a little bit hard to hear the audio, and you'll hear about three-quarters in... Uh, some background noise, which is the
2: train passing train
1: passing. <laughs> but please check it out if you think you've had real balsamic before, you have not. I can probably guarantee you. And um, please, you will put the um link and a picture of the bottle up on uh the blog along with the um this podcast so everyone can check it out because it's really truly truly something so special.
2: It is now without further ado, Giovanna,
1: enjoy the po- enjoy the interview. Hello. Uh, today we are joined by Giovanna, and we are in Modena in her home, the, what is, well, I'll let you start, a home where you make, a place where you make aceto balsamico, and we're in Modena to buy real balsamico vero. uh, What is the, why is it in your home and not in a factory?
0: So, you must be not surprised to be in a private home uh, to finding the real one called Tradizionale, This has nothing to do with the industrial one that you find in the supermarket. The traditional balsamic vinegar represented the history and the passion for the more oldest family in Modena, and at the beginning was utilized only for the family own news, for example, uh, 80, 50, 60 years ago, nobody took to sell the traditional balsamic vinegar f- of, uh, for the family and only to utilize it in a special occasion on uh, uh, the best meat, fish filet, uh, on uh, strawberries, ice cream, very special because it's in a very, very special product, and when you test it uh, is uh, a point of no return for your palate, because uh, uh, really uh, this long aging in a different kind of wood, in a different barrels, that represented many, many generations, is a very special product. And under the roof of the more oldest houses and family of Modena was and is ever the ideal place where to store the family generations' barrels. We need a big different temperature, warm in summer for the fermentation and cold in winter for the decantation. And uh, uh, many series of barrels that we have, uh, um, they, 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 George grown here and become from other relatives uh, some series of barrels because who has this passion and tradition continue, but until we have the DOP, Denomination Original Protected and DOC, until we build the consortium 35 years ago, we have... uh, the, on the quality and on all the steps, the certification and uh, uh, each step is checked and certified. And also, our product before to bottle, uh, we have to make the last uh, uh, control on quality. This is uh, on the control really unique in the world, but it's possible to produce only in a very small production because uh, you have to think that we have to wait at least 12 years before certified, before to bottle the youngest one, and over 25 for the oldest
1: one. So that's very important. You cannot sell any of your vinegar before it is at least 12 years yes. old. Yes.
2: And, and how old is your oldest barrel?
1: Yes.
0: We have also 120, 130. Years old uh, barrels, but doesn't mean that in size we have we have we can have a little mother. Mm -hmm. There is a big legend also about the traditional balsamic vinegar, but you have to know that after forty years our product doesn't become better in quality because we make a topping up a topping up for so long time, but after forty years. is a piatto, okay. doesn't continue in the smell, in the taste. One day we have to take out from the last barrel of our at least five series of barrels the final production. Okay, The aging of the barrels continue, but not of the product in size. What is over 12 continue to be over 12, because during the topping up we have to take some more from the youngest one, and what is over 25 is over 25, and in the control, the Meister Taster, they give the guarantee over 12 and over 25. Our bottles are uh, with this uh, 100 ml jujaro uh, bottle with yellow-white cap at least 12, gold cap at least 25. We have also in, uh, 35 years, but we cannot put the aging. Is the score that we obtain that made the difference, but uh, is uh, quite a pity to call uh, vinegar. Yes, <laughs> but uh, this acidity save our product forever, doesn't change and remain ever so strong, so nice in the barrels.
1: Now, um, vinegar, the, the real traditional balsamic aceto, must be in a special. Yes. yes. Can you tell the us a vinegar. lot about the unique yes. bottle?
0: Yes. When we built in the consortium uh, or the group of traditional balsamic vinegar producer, we asked to an important and famous uh, stylist, design in Italy. His name is Giorgetto Giugiaro. He designed cars like uh, Ferrari, Alfa Romeo. The last. Uh, Train Freccia Rossa, speed uh-huh. it is in a Giugiaro design, and he loved very much our product. and He designed this uh, very nice bottle that has this uh, round form, like, uh, um, like a, a barrel, and uh, at the end. Uh, this is so uh, modern uh, uh, piece of uh, of glass and this uh, very nice 100 milliliter, for all the traditional balsamic vinegar producer is the unique bottle shapes where you can bottle the traditional balsamic vinegar
2: it's like a visual se- seal yes they, if you see that yes. bottle you know yes. it's yes. proper like how many Families are left today with homes just like this, where we, they are, we making.
0: are. 60 producers. 60 yeah. in all, all of Italy. Yes. And in, in Modena. Modena. Yes. Only it, here. Yes, because it's possible to uh, produce, to make this uh, product only in Provincia di Modena. Only in Modena. Out of Modena, uh, Bologna, Parma, Milano, and only with these two kinds of grapes, White Trebbiano grapes and red Lambrusco grapes. Oh, okay. Certified it from countryside vine and uh, on Vigne, we have the first DOP control to the last before to bottle.
1: So if you do not find the aceto in these bottles, it is
0: not? It's not the real one. It's not the traditional, it's not made in this uh, artisanal system, and uh, uh, it is not so genuine, poor, fantastic. But uh, the production is very limited because we are 60 producers and last year we didn't bottle 90,000 of these uh, unique bottle shapes you can understand why because if you have to wait at least 12 years before to bottle the first production is in a long time is impossible to have an industrial mentality Mm -hmm. and uh, this is also the reason why the most part of the traditional balsamic vinegar producer they come from uh, and a very old family that they started, like here, uh, by Giorgio Acitaya uh, with his uh, grandmother Maria over 120 years ago.
1: Wow, incredible.
0: What is your favorite way to enjoy balsamic?
1: The traditional, the traditional balsamic.
0: traditional balsamic. There are many ways. Uh, I think
1: you know, most people just think of balsamic as something
0: you put on salad but very nice salad. Absolutely. <laughs> but what are some of Exist also, we have many vegetable like vegetarian people. They love because we have no... Um, no, sorry. Um, sulfiti. Mm-hmm. Sulfite. Sulfite, sorry. Because it's uh, uh, cooked to scrape age in many bars, so it's perfect, very genuine. And uh, Uh, On the best vegetable, when you think in a very nice uh, uh, radicchio rosso Mm. or now uh, potatoes purée and uh, asparagus or egg, some drops on onion omelette, also very simple.
1: Fraggolette?
0: We made, uh, me and Carlotta, uh, three days ago. Giorgio was not at home, and we had uh, duck filet, but um, we slice like, like in a, a little filet uh, uh, affumicato. Um, smoked. smoked duck filet, some uh, uh, salad, some strawberries, Olive oil extra virgin, salt, pepper, and traditional Delicious, pizza, the, delicious and uh, warm bread is very <laughs> simple to utilize, like on Parmesan cheese, mm-hmm. on risotto, but ever after cooking.
1: Always after. Always,
0: always uh, after. Cooking. And this yeah. is more of like a syrup versus the a liquid. liquid dressing that yes. most people yes. are yes. used to. So just a few drops. So few go a drops or a little more if you yes. would like to enjoy. And the extra-old, I we suggest and we utilize very often on dessert, too. Not only strawberries, but ice cream, crema, vanilla, zabaione, fior di latte. Lo Yes, anche lo zabaione, mm. molto buono.
1: Interesting. Last thing, could you tell us a little bit about the barrels? Because there's a very special, these barrels are very special, yes. yes.
0: We utilize for all the life our old family generations barrels or that we prepare over 12, the last that we prepare because we grown the production. And these barrels, they are so rich in size in so many years of vinegar bacteria, mineral salt and sugar crystals. Preparing a traditional wasabi vinegar, we need Many series certified barrels, and the tradition says in a different kind of wood: oak, chestnut, ash, cherry, mulberry, and juniper. Each wood gives different smell and different taste. But uh, we are also quite famous only for our unique kind of wood: only in a juniper, only in a cherry, and also only in oak. We won the first prize on in oak, this is very rich and a little bit more tannin, tannin rich, a little bit, but very nice, when you taste it, you taste it on the flavor of the wood and of this so long time aging mm-hmm. in the world. And you have a series of barrels for each of your
1: children that you, yes. how, how does that tradition work? <laughs> to me that is so
0: beautiful. <laughs> uh, I came from Bologna and it was a surprise for me too. Bologna are 35 kilometers far from here and I didn't imagine that they couldn't exist so in a tradition. The tradition is uh, that in this family of traditional balsamic vinegar producer, now every time when a child come in the world, we started uh, we prepare for our children a new series of barrels, at least of five barrels, and one mother barrels with the cooker just great for the topping up, because we hope that our children will continue this tradition. And is not only an important gift, is uh, very important uh, because it's a life philosophy that you have to work for a long time before to obtain only the very small production. Because in a product in a service of five barrels, after twelve or twenty-five years the final production is only in the last barrel and are from 2 until 3 liters that you can take out. So that's year. that's very
1: important. Yeah. So you start with how many liters okay. and finish after 12 can- uh,
0: with uh, 150 liters uh, after 12 years you don't obtain 3 liters ready production that's 2 3 liters but uh, the product is so so nice, so special that uh, we, we think uh, it's very good to, to wait so long time the industrial balsamico is a cheap product yeah. okay, let's it talk has about to that. be cheap and yeah. is in a total different product and sometimes they sell the name and mm-hmm. can be uh, produced everywhere with the name balsamico, this is very pity but the balsamic industrial, they have to put preservatives they utilize corn caramel, mm-hmm. I don't say is a David. It's an, a total different product, yes. and is an, a very cheap product because they made in a very very short time but the customers sometimes when they come here, they say oh, I buy the most expensive, and when they taste it our, they say oh, it's incredible, why uh, I have to pay I have to pay so much money for the product that is real uh, with no aging and they have big silos sometimes, no barrels it's a total different product mm-hmm. but uh, because Customers, they don't know because of the traditional, the real one exists only in a very small production. But uh, I, I suggest to pay attention before to pay money for any balsamico industrial. It has to be a cheaper product, mm-hmm. to utilize the quantity, in, uh, if someone time.
1: writes you an email could they buy your aceto and you send it to America? Yes, yeah. We so yeah.
0: ship all over the world.
1: Excellent. If you're listening and you've never tried traditional real balsamic vinegar of Modena, you must. You must try it. It is a, totally different from anything you've ever tasted before in your entire life. And, and the best
2: way to do it?
1: Well, I'm sorry, to come. and you must come if you are anywhere within Modena, uh, within a day's drive of Modena. You must stop by, and um, you can find uh, at Cetaya di Giorgio uh, www and we'll put the um, we'll put the link up there. Ah, Thank you Thank so you. much. It was so lovely of you to sit down in your beautiful, beautiful achitaya.
2: Oh this a- is actually on a side note, on a personal side note, we have this is our return visit here after six years ago, our first stop here for our honeymoon. And it really helped form our idea and change our thought on life and why we wanted to move to Italy. So it's very special for us to return here as well. So we're excited to share this podcast and their information with others so they can come and experience their kindness and delicious balsamico as well. All right.
0: Thank you so much. Thank you.
2: It was really special being there. That was great. And I have to say, to kind of close my thoughts a little better, um, in discussing saying why this was such an important trip for us on our honeymoon when we met them, was that this gave us the glimpse, which really formed part of our business idea, of connecting people to... Italy's artisans, and when you're welcome into their home, what a lasting effect that leaves on you! And look at this—six years later, and we're still have the same excitement of going there the, for the very first time, and feel like we're we've become not part of their history, but we've taken part of, like you said, their history and family home with us.
1: Um, it's really incredible because these types of people will not be here. I, oh, I hope they will, but it seems like it's a dying breed, and, uh, these people who really are craftsmen and artisans and are making something that this is the only place in the world where this is done, and there's only 60 families who do it. So when you think about the price versus what you're getting, and she tit on that a little bit, I think it's cheap.
2: Absolutely. It's,
1: it's really not that it's something
2: that takes 12 years or 25 years to make, and to be able to have a bottle of this for...
1: Under fifty, under fifty euro is, is incredible. I really think so.
2: I mean, it do, it takes us a few months to cure our sausages, and you you want to sell them for fifty euros?
1: I know it's like what you, I'm not selling any of these. I'm, I won't get any money for. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. it's 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 beautiful, and you have to really go there. I think to appreciate it, and Absolutely. to walk in their front door and smell have that smell of balsamic smack you in the face mm-hmm. when you walk in their house. Um, wonderful it, well, is, it, it brings is. us to our word of the week let's do it
2: all right it is only fitting aceto
1: aceto i've heard this before what is aceto
2: aceto is vinegar so acetaya is a vinegar maker a home of a vinegar maker
1: yep and you'll see them as you drive through modena you'll see them all signs for acetaya 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 all over the place but keep in mind Again, there's only 60 families who are allowed to produce this. And when we were driving through Modena, I must have seen 300 signs. Mm-hmm. So um, do a little research. And um, and
2: I'll make sure to post what the picture of the bottle looks like. Because that truly is the visual marker for you to say, oh, that is worth the $100 I'm about to spend. Or this is a knockoff and not worth 35 bucks.
1: Exactly. Mm-hmm. Well, um... So, aceto. Ac-
2: Is there a way you would use aceto? Um, you use it all the time for cooking.
1: Yeah, I, um, vinegar... How do I use vinegar for cooking? Well,
2: no, I mean, uh, in a sentence.
1: Um, ci sono tre tipi di aceto No? Sure, there are three types of vinegar. There are three types of vinegar. Rosso, bianco, balsamico.
2: Okay, great. I just was trying to make it a little bit more practical. You put me
1: on the spot now. Sorry, God... Um, all right, so we, what are we doing today?
2: Today, well, I would like to do what the cats are doing, which is napping in this blustery weather, but, um, I fed the chickens and checked on them. They're doing great. The roosters are still scared of me, but the, um, hens come running when they hear me clanging down the, down the steps. And I've got work to do on the
1: cookbook. Mm. We'll talk about that later. That's to leave people hanging. Um, for our next podcast, we'll probably be talking about wine. We're going to buy all oh. our our wine next week. Maybe we'll Seattle. have an interview. I hope. Hopefully, we will. And um, today, I am on toilets. I get to go <laughs> around and see if anything leaks.
2: Yes, you did a great job ripping out the other showers yesterday.
1: Wonderful! I That's know. so interesting. Everyone can't wait to hear about that. Well, it's
2: the life of an innkeeper.
1: Yes, <laughs>
2: it's not glam. It's not it's, all the glam and glitz that people think.
1: <laughs> no, it is not. There's a
2: lot of chicken poop and caulking and <laughs> getting down and dirty.
1: All right. Well, thank you very much for downloading and listening. And until next time, uh, we are here in beautiful Piovico, Italy. Ciao. Ciao.